we we did watch this movie the other night. It was made in 2020. You guys heard of Butt Boy? I've heard of Butt Stuff. Butt Boy? It's called Butt Boy. Yeah. I've heard of Butt Toys. Yes. Well, you know, it, it it's in the same vein. I recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it to everybody, just you guys, mm-hmm. really. I don't really want to ruin it, but it's like a very silly subject matter that they play serious as a heart attack the whole time. The movie is like <laughs> way better than it deserves to be. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have any like big names attached Nobody, to it? Nobody, no. Nice. I like it. Totally indie. Just, uh, yeah, check it out. That's all I can say. Hell yeah. <laughs> but boy. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll look into it. <laughs> I will say one last thing about the Oscars when um who won best actor what's his name Brendan Fraser Brendan Fraser he just kept giving whale facts and then ocean I, puns I know I, I just kept saying out loud I was like whale facts <laughs> <laughs> You know I love him so much but yeah that he uh he you know he thought that speech was super clever and um Good on him, you know. You know, I'll I'll take whale facts in a speech over all the glad handing. The crygasms. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) I'll take whale facts. Yeah, all day. You know, it was cute. (laughs) It was very Brendan Fraser, and I. uh, It was fine. I'm glad. I'm happy for him. (laughs) You know how some whales sound like this. You know, some whales sound like this. Right? I'm certain that was in that speech. (laughs) Which is a great segue to what we're going to be talking about today. That's true. Well, welcome to Under the Pendulum. I'm Chris, here with Heather. Hello. And Caitlin in Portland. Hello. She's back, baby. I'm back, baby. Yeah, so whales. Whale facts. No whale facts, but they're going to be animal facts. Animal yep. facts. Animal facts. Yep. Delish. This is a wild episode of Under the Pendulum. Under the Pendulum Gone Wild. That's so funny. I was just watching about how worms have sex, and it was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. Fantastic. So there's going to be plenty of things like that in this episode. Oh, good. <laughs> so we've talked about a lot of brutal subjects in the past, from human sacrifices to the desecration of bodies and post-mortem executions. Mm-hmm. But today we're going to talk about another kind of brutality, what we find in nature. Yeah. And yeah. when I say brutal here, I mean it in more like a, like a metal sense, because nature doesn't designate things in terms of brutality or cruelty. Uh, you know, we'll talk more about that later. That's sort of a human construct that we put onto the animal kingdom. But yep. Heather and I have picked a few creatures that display some interesting behavior that we feel deserves a wailing guitar solo of approval from us. Oh, yeah. Oh, when yeah. animals get pissed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, we each picked three. So do, do you want to go first, Heather? Or sure. do you want me to go first? I hope you picked okay. my favorite. I'm really excited. Well, you'll have to listen and find out. I know, I'll have to find out about stuff. (laughs) All right, so my first animal is the Lammergeier. The Lammergeier, or beaded, beaded. (laughs) The Lammergeier, or bearded vulture. (laughs) Butt boys. (laughs) Thinking about butt boy too much. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beaded, a little slip of the tongue. (laughs) Uh, Okay. 
So <laughs> the Lambergeier or beat <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> beat boys. Beat boy. Beat boy. It's a bearded vulture, and it can only be found on some of the most uninhabitable areas of the globe. It lives among the highest peaks of mountain ranges across Europe, Asia, and Africa, such as the Pyrenees, Mount Everest, and the Alps. This humongous vulture stands three feet tall, can weigh up to 17 pounds, and has an impressive seven-foot wingspan. Yeah, damn. The Lammergeier bathes in sulfur springs, and this gives their feathers a bronzed color from the iron oxide. And they smell like they just flew up from hell. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) It is believed that these baths also serve to disinfect the vulture from bacteria that accumulates on them from the filthy work of scavenging. For the Lammergeier, the deader the carrion, the better. Lammergeiers feast on the bones of the carcasses, and they are after their highly nutritious marrow. Oh, I know these. <laughs> I gotta look up a picture. Oh, my God. They will simply swallow the I small... I fucking love these things. Yeah, they're crazy. So they'll, yeah. they'll just sm- swallow the smaller bones, and their stomach acid, which is more corrosive than lemon juice, makes quick work of breaking them down. Wow. However, the larger bones need extra attention, and the Lammergeier uses a bit of ingenuity to extract the marrow from these. The bird will fly up hundreds of feet with these bones and will drop them onto the rocks and cliffs far below in order to break them apart. Bearded vulture babies live a pretty metal life from the start. Females will lay two eggs once a year in a nest formed on the edge of a cliff that is made up of sticks, debris, dried skin, and shit. Dude, fuck yeah. (laughs) If food is scarce for the chicks, (laughs) if food is scarce for the chicks, the bigger one will either starve the smaller one by stealing its food or he'll peck it to death. Man, nature really is brutal. Like, I mean, to be a little thing out in nature. Yeah. There's just nothing, yeah. no protection. So, e- eagle, eagle chicks do a very similar thing, you know, where sometimes they'll do three eggs or three hatchlings, and yeah. then normally one of them's going to get pushed out of the way or or get killed. Yeah. Um, by the others, you, you, most of the time they starve, um, because the other two are just, you know, just pushing it out of the way and just you know not letting it feed. And parents usually are like, "Well, you're you're too weak. Sorry." Yeah. Yeah. It's. Ugh. It's awful, but, you know, survival of the fittest. <laughs> mm-hmm. So their massive size, striking appearance, and savage sibling rivalry has no doubt made them the subject of lore throughout the world. Lammergeier translate to lamb vulture, and stories of your claim that it has made off with livestock and small children. The most famous tale of the Lammergeier has to do with the death of Greek playwright Aeschylus. I... Th- Aeschylus? Aeschylus? Aeschylus, thank you. The most famous tale of the Lammergeier has to do with the death of Greek playwright Aeschylus in 455 BC, when it is said that the vulture dropped a tortoise on him, killing him, because it mistook his bald head for a rock. (laughs) I've I've, I've heard that I feel like that's a really (laughs) sick burn, but it took a long time to get there. (laughs) Yeah, you bald-headed fuck. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
So stories like these have given them a bad rap, and as a result, they have become extinct in certain regions by the hands of humans. They are slowly making a comeback through conservation efforts and are currently classified as near-threatened as a whole. Despite these outlandish tales of the bearded vulture being a killer, they are anything but. They are just living their best bone-crushing lives and are a fascinating (laughs) part of the brutal world of scavengers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I I love I love those. Um, there's this really cool video. Was, I, I think it was on some nature documentary. It might have been a David Attenborough one. Yeah. But um, where where it's basically golfing down this um, part of a femur joint, like a femur, uh, like kind of knee joint, and it's just yeah, it just gulps it down. Um, it's so yeah. crazy to watch. Yeah. Yeah, that's Man. intense. <laughs> well, you know that they like throw up on themselves as a defense mechanism too, because it's their throw up is so rancid that it keeps anything from eating them, kind of thing. Yeah, I've done that a couple times too. <laughs> I think we talked about that in our um, the meat shower episode. Oh, of course. Oh yeah. How could I forget? <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> it's it's a good way to keep to keep people away. I mean, I throw up on myself, but. Um, I was going to say I love any kind of vulture antiques, too, that are made, like like if it's like China or like metalwork or anything, like they're always so just gnarly looking. I love them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I've seen one, but I'm going to keep my eyes peeled now. I have to show you one. Like I, I saw it on like a like a an A&E thing and it was like a celebrity had a vulture like like latrine in her bathroom kind of thing. Jesus Christ, that sounds awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So my first one is the vampire finch. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about these guys. Yeah, no. (laughs) So the Galapagos Islands are home to a variety of finches, as as we may remember from our biology classes. Darwin traveled to many of the islands in the 1830s and recorded how the different finches evolved over time with special adaptations for their specific environments. He famously noted the morphological differences in their beak shapes and the sizes, which are adapted over time for their specific diets. So one of these finches has adapted a pretty morbid way of survival and feeding. The vampire ground finch, or Geospiza septentrionalis, has adapted to drink the blood of its prey, the Nazca masked and red-footed boobies. Boobies. I'm going to be saying I'm going to be saying boobies a lot. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so first recorded in 1964, the vampire finch lives primarily on the Wolf and Darwin Islands. These remote islands have harsh environments where food can be scarce. The vampire finch evolved to eat the parasites off of the seabirds when insects, seeds, and other resources were scarce. Biologists believe that as the finches were eating parasites off of the boobies, as we all do, (laughs) they created wounds with their beaks and got a taste for the plentiful blood that streamed out of the wounds. So the finches would learn over time that they could access the blood without much protest from the boobies. <laughs> Please stop. If boobies could talk. Oh, oh the, the things they've seen. Talk. Oh God. I don't want to I don't want my boobies to talk. No. <laughs> so the boobies come to the island to use it as a breeding ground. And when they lay their eggs, they make nests among the rocks. 
and as the boobies are nesting, the finches will approach them and begin pulling out larger flight feathers, as this will produce the largest wound. They then will use their sh- their sharp tip beaks to puncture the wound even further, drinking the blood that trickles out and lapping it with their tongues. Wow, the boobies seem to find this just an annoyance rather than a major cause of alarm. The finches will also <laughs> go after the hatched you- chicks. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say, do you think they also check the boobies for lumps? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think a good vampire finch would especially if they're already getting the parasites off there you know they just gotta totally. look for any lumps that's kind that of their job with, that could be filled with blood <laughs> that's not good oh yeah <laughs> that's not a funny joke let me I'm get sorry. that for you <laughs> so the finches will also go after the hatched chicks stabbing at their tails to create the wounds that they drink from Sometimes half a dozen or more finches have been observed drinking from the same booby. <laughs> Whoa, man. I I wrote this and not until like last edit was I did I Crack. realize how silly some of these sentences yeah. sounded. <laughs> it's a serious guys. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not butt stuff, it's booby stuff this time. <laughs> So, though the blood is not very nutritious, it's really high in salt and iron, and it's low in other nutrients, it's really a safety measure for when the food scarcity is at its height during the dry months. So, they've developed a special bacteria bacteria in their stomachs that can digest the blood. Uh, it's, it's kind of a similar bacteria that we find in reptiles and other carnivorous birds. So the boobies do not seem to sustain any significant damage or long-term effects uh, from the feedings. And these finches have evolved over time to become cute little blood-soaked creatures. Seriously, I'm looking at pictures of these fuckers, and that is like the blood is pour, like literally pouring out of. <laughs> yeah, the birds. it's it's like bloods all over the back of the <laughs> of the birds, <laughs> and like and the finches are really cute looking, but their like faces are covered in blood. What in the fuck? What a horrible thing to co-evolve with, you know? <laughs> Dude, fuck. the the boob the boobies really don't seem to care all that much like they kind of like are like man get away but they don't yeah they don't really seem to notice even though they're pulling out these huge feathers yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're just helping them preen their blood thanks guys i didn't know i was gonna see that today (laughs) (laughs) you're You're welcome welcome. (laughs) (laughs) all right so my next creature is the reef stonefish Now, this example in The Brutality of Nature has been included here to highlight Mother Nature's innovation in equipping her creatures with remarkable tools of self-preservation. The reef stonefish is a great example of her perfection in design and utility. Found in the tropical waters of the Pacific, the stonefish is thought to have been responsible for many deaths of Pacific Islanders. Thankfully, no deaths from stonefish have been recorded in Australia since the 1600s. The name stonefish or rockfish is perfect for these guys, as they resemble an underwater stone or piece of coral that is layered with aquatic plant life and detritus. Oh, they're kind of cute. Yeah, Yeah, I reckon they're they're supposed to be incredibly poisonous, right? Yeah. Okay. So they dwell on the bottom of the sea among underwater cliffs and rock formations, and they can bury themselves just below the sand, making their natural camouflage even more incredible. The stonefish is an ambush predator. 
It will lie and wait for unsuspecting prey to get close enough to it, and when it strikes, it does with staggering speed. In order to document a stonefish feeding, high-speed camera equipment is needed to capture it, with speeds up to 0.015 seconds having been recorded. The stonefish also happens to be the most venomous fish in the world. It has th- oh, in the world. Yes, interesting. Okay, <laughs> it, wow. It's in the same uh, family as the lionfish. I, I was kind of thinking that because you always think that lionfish um, were kind of designated like one of the most poisonous. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they're in the same family. So it has thirteen dorsal fin spines, which all inject an extremely toxic venom. If a human is stung. It is because they have accidentally stepped on the fish, which will result in an incredibly painful and dangerous sting. If stung, this venom can cause these symptoms. Difficulty breathing, irregular heartbeat, shock, low blood pressure, severe pain at the sting site, abdominal pain, diarrhea, anxiety, delirium, fever, paralysis, and seizures. Man. Yeah. So the area can be treated with as hot of water as can be tolerated, which will denaturalize the protein-based venom, making it inactive. Well, I mean, if you're shitting, you could probably just shit on it because that's some hot shit. I bet it's coming out. <laughs> get it on there. But you'd, you'd have to get to the wound pretty quickly, though, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And you would need to seek your bloodstream. Yeah, you'd need to seek medical attention anyway. Um, Heating it up is just really going to relieve the pain, but you need to to get the anti-venom for it, which they do have available, thankfully. So there are many instances of deadly predators with the protection of camouflage, but I think this notion is inherently brutal. In these creatures, their very nature is to capitalize on the oblivious animals around them, and the last thing they see is the stuff of nightmares, a horrific rock with teeth that has come alive to end them. (laughs) Man, she's like, oh, that's neat. Man, what a beautiful day. The water's warm, perfect temperature, sun shining. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, I know there's a lot of animals that have camouflage, but I, you know, it's just, I just do think that is insanely brutal to, Mm -hmm. to be designed to deceive. In order to kill. Yeah, and they, I mean, they, they look fucking cool. Yeah, they I do. Mean, they yeah. are, <laughs> they're crazy looking. Yeah, they're similar to like the deep sea stuff where you're just like, how come? Why? Yeah. Why does that look like that? And I mean, you would <laughs> never know there was one there if you were swimming no. underwater. Mm-mm. You wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be way too late by the time you figured it out. And you said it's like spines that are the poisonous bit? Yeah, so their dorsal fin is like 13 spines. They're like covered mm-hmm. in the skin, but... Man, when I remember pull- that in Florida. Yeah, there's there's um a a YouTube channel I watch. It's a Japanese guy called Masaru. And he will... Basically what his channel is is gutting fish and like they're um, just any type of fish he can find... Poisonous, not poisonous, dangerous, not uh, just anything. And he actually does a, a, a video of the rockfish and he eats it, <laughs> which wow, is crazy. Is supposed to be good? I think he said that one was not good, but this, this dude will <laughs> <Man>. try anything. <laughs> I just remember fishing so much in Florida and all of the ocean fish, like a lot of them had like really sharp spines and you would have to like 
kind of like grab them by the head and then kind of like bring your your hand down quick just to put down mm-hmm. yeah but they'd be like flexing that shit up to just like sting yeah. you it was so yeah intense. defense defense mechanism uh catfish some uh, i think i don't know if all catfish oh, yeah, have them but do. i know some catfish have them oh yeah um, it hurts yep. i think oh, bass yeah. did too like the the lake yeah bass. Yeah. if i remember correctly sunfish yeah, I, I think yeah, actually, I was about to say sunfish. I believe, yeah. I believe sunfish had them oh, too. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that in a long time. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> I remember being very scared. Don't get stung. It's gonna poke you. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh God. Yeah. Can you yeah. do it? I think I, I think I remember getting poked one time, and it it yeah, it's fucking sharp. I'm it sure it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> well, my next one's gonna be a little familiar to everybody, but I don't know if everybody knows just how fucking brutal they are. Mm. So I'm gonna do meerkats. Nice. So most people think of meerkats as cute, playful little creatures, popularized by Timon in The Lion King and shows like Meerkat Manor, and they are adorable. But these cute little critters of the mongoose family have been studied and found to be some of the most murderous creatures on the planet. Dude, they're like honey badgers. They don't give a shit. (laughs) They're crazies. (laughs) So meerkats inhabit the southern deserts of Africa, uh, namely the Kalahari Desert. They live in family clans that number up to 50 members. They are also matriarchal in nature, meaning that the females rule the clan, particularly one female is the matriarch. This creates stiff reproductive competition between the other females and the matriarch, which has deadly results. So during the breeding season, the matriarch has a zero tolerance for breeding subordinates. (laughs) So around 80% of the offspring will be hers. The point of this is to keep the clan of her lineage and to get the other females to raise her offspring instead of their own. If a female does give birth, the matriarch will kill and sometimes cannibalize the offspring, which is usually her own grandchildren. (laughs) What? So the, the other female who gave birth can then be banished from the clan after brutal, brutal physical attacks that can further hinder the reproductive abilities of the banished female. And this is often a death sentence in the Kalahari, making the beaten female vulnerable to predators and the environment if they weren't killed outright by the matriarch first. (laughs) So, and the banished are often the daughters of the matriarch. Oh, dear. So vying for the top spot isn't common until the death of the matriarch. The crown usually is passed to the eldest or stockiest female. A biological morphing takes place when the new matriarch takes the throne. She will increase her size, her testosterone rises, and she becomes more hostile to the other females, particularly any that are close to her size or seem the biggest threat to her reign. Just waving her balls all over the place, huh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and her balls drop, yes. Her (laughs) ovaries drop into testicles. (laughs) So out of a study that was conducted of a thousand different species, meerkats ranked top of the list of murders of their own kind. In this tiny version of Game of Thrones, the meerkat proves itself to be the cutest and most brutal of all I animals. Am, I am so surprised to learn that. I've never heard that once. Yeah, I did not realize that they were so fucking cruel. I feel like some <laughs> asshole would have piped up with that some point in my life, you know, about meerkats, you know. Not asshole, yeah, but really, person. Tiny little Lannisters. Yeah, it really makes you... Makes you think of uh, Akuna Matata much differently yeah. now. You know? Yeah. Oh man. 
Well, so what's with the males? Do they, do they, you know, they just step the fuck get, back and mind their own business. Yeah, they're like lucky to not be a female to like have <laughs> that shit happen. Okay. Right. Yeah, I mean, they, um, you know, like the female, the matriarch will probably breed with, you know, multiple males. Um, you know, males will probably help with hunting and lookout and, you know, any other, you know, clan things that need to be happening. But, um, yeah, I was just really interested to see like how intense the competition between the matriarch and other females are. Yeah. Um, that's wild. Yeah. Cause it's not weird that you have a matriarch, um, who is, you know, the leader of a clan, like wolves have that. Mm, lions. Um, but, but to, it seems weird that, you know, she'll kill any of the children from competing females. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very strange. <laughs> Yeah, want crazy. that competition. <laughs> well, my next animal kind of piggybacks on the mostly considered cute, but uh, yee yee yee. It's really horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to do otters. I know. Oh. Dark <laughs> I love otters. <laughs> I love them, though. They're I know. So they cute. are very yeah. cute. Man, I know. My friend told me about otters and ducks at the same time. I had no idea. <laughs> so, otters don't need much of an introduction. These creatures live on every continent of the world besides Australia and Antarctica, and there are 13 different species of them. They are fascinating and crafty little guys. They have the thickest fur of any animal. They have skin pouches beneath each front arm where they can store food or their favorite shell-cracking rock. They have a flattened tail and hind feet to help them better swim. We all know that they're fucking adorable. They eat off their tummies. They hold hands while they sleep. They're super playful. But what we may not all know about them is that they have some really brutal behaviors. Let's get right into it. Otters attack all sorts of animals, including humans. There have been at least 40 attacks against humans since 1980, and these were all by river otters. Didn't we talk about this on our animals, crazy animals of 2020 episode? Yeah. I think it was just like crazy news. Oh, it was crazy animals yeah. of 20. That's right. Yeah. So otters also have a mob mentality. In captivity, they have been documented to gang up on other animals, such as primates, on more than one occasion. There are at least two instances when poor monkeys who shared an enclosure with otters have gotten too close to the water's edge and were attacked drowned, and eaten by a group of otters. Holy shit. Yeah, you guys should look up the images of otters where their fucking eyes are all bloodshot and they've got blood in their fucking mouths and it's just... They like look, 28 days later <laughs> shit? They look really <laughs> scary. Oh, my God. <laughs> young otters can have it pretty rough. Male otters may force themselves upon younger otters that have not yet reached maturity. The males have also been observed holding baby otters hostage in order to force the females to bring them food. Also, with sea otters having foreboding predators such as sharks and killer whales, interestingly, larger male otters are also considered predators to their younger otters. So they're predators to their own kind. It's like oh um, it's kind of like hippo hippos are like that yeah. too, where male hippos will sometimes hunt and kill like adolescent or baby hippos and shit and so the mothers have to like try to protect them and it's just yeah it's really fuck crazy yeah oh my god well ah. 
Otters' mating habits are unbelievably aggressive. The biggest male in a colony will rule the roost and will bar all other males from mating at all. Once a mate is established, the male otter will hold on to the female by biting her nose, sometimes so hard that her nose will bleed and even rip, leaving her scarred. Uh. Oh, shit. They will also pull the female underwater, potentially drowning her. To make a bad problem even worse, there have been observations of the male continuing his assault on the dead female. Yeah, Yikes. they're just like ducks, oh. they're necrophiliacs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the more disturbing facts about sea otters is documented in a 2010 paper titled Lesions and Behavior Associated with Forced Copulation of Juvenile Pacific Harbor Seals by Southern Sea Otters. Someone just looks at her and is like, oh, this is going to be juicy. <laughs> <laughs> This paper details behavior observed from male sea otters to juvenile harbor seals, quote, including harassing, herding, mate guarding, dragging the subject through the water, and forced copulation, end quote. And speaking of necrophilia, during these observations when some of the carcasses of these seals were collected, quote, three criteria were utilized to select harbor seals for possible case inclusion. One, carcasses recovered directly from male sea otters. Two, carcasses observed or reported in the immediate vicinity of a male sea otter. Or three, carcasses with lesions consistent with mating trauma that were recovered from sites where previous interpacific sexual interactions had been reported. End quote. I found her like that, I swear. <laughs> yeah, no shit. You creep. <laughs> it's horrific to think about, these droogs of the sea, but nature has no morality, and it just simply is. Yeah. And they listen to Absolutely. Beethoven very loud and have <laughs> pythons. <laughs> I know. I think about nature all the time when I think about, like, you know, is life fair or not kind of thing? And yeah. it's like, no, it's not. It never really was. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, well, I, you know, kind of my final thoughts kind of address that. But, you know, it's I mean, fairness is it's a human construct Concept, right i mean yeah yeah, yeah like it's like everything yeah yeah it's like is a is a tornado fair or evil you know no. i mean it causes mm -hmm. a lot of like human suffering and destruction but a tornadoes are a tornado and it's it's a impartial neutral event yeah. you know it's just like we we attach these um sure. designations onto them yeah so yeah it's yeah, it's 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 always a it's a tricky conversation, you know, because, <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. you know, we, we still have those feelings, but mm -hmm. it doesn't make them valid in in a in the natural world. Yeah. And I'm sure some and I'm sure animals feel like, well, that's not fair. Like if they if they a kill gets stolen from them. Yeah. You know, but they just move on because what are you going to do? Yeah, pretty much. Keep on rock, keep on rocking in the free world is what you do. That's right. <laughs> I did not uh, know some of that about otters though. That is fucking. Damn. I was very fucking surprised the first time someone told me that. I didn't believe them. I I I knew they were intense, like the ganging up and stuff, but I did not know that they were <laughs> like necrophiliacs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, like uh, Pocahontas otters, where they play. Like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> she said, like the otters are her friends. You, <laughs> the yeah, what are you the doing, Pocahontas? Oh, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did you guys see that picture I sent? We'll post it of the, the yes. terrifying otter. Yes, it's, uh, no, yeah. I don't think I did. You'll have to send it to me so we could post it. Okay. So my last one is flatworms. So we've all heard the phrase, all is fair in love and war. But the flatworm brings the war part to a whole nother level. The flatworm is a soft-bodied invertebrate. And they have a flattened, they're kind of a flattened appearance, which gives them their namesake. Though some are free-living, around 80% of flatworm species are parasitic. And wherever sanitation is poor or meat is consumed undercooked, the flatworms thrive in the host that they find. Wait, is this AKA original uh, tapeworm? Um, I believe they're in a similar family. Oh, I see. Yeah. So this, I'm, I'm going to be talking about some stuff, but it's not, it's going to go somewhere else. God damn it, you guys. Worms. <laughs> flatworms can sometimes cause diseases and chronic disorders like schistosomiasis. Uh, gonna... Schistosomiasis. Schis? Is it schi? C-S-C-H? It could be schistosomiasis. Shit in my asses. (laughs) (laughs) So flatworms can sometimes... (laughs) So flatworms can sometimes cause diseases and chronic disorders, which are caused by a group of flatworms called blood flukes. This can cause inflammation in the intestines, liver, bladder, and other organs. And they can cause skin eruptions, fevers, coughing, blood and stools and urine. And they can cause serious liver damage or damage to whatever organ is most infected. (sighs) And this infection occurs when eggs are implanted on the walls of the organs, leading to, quote, fibrous thickening and loss of elasticity. Flatworms can even infect the brain and lungs. So all of this is terrifying on its own from such a small creature, but that isn't what I want to talk about. What makes flatworms so brutal is love and their reproductive habits. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> so flatworms are usually hermaphroditic, meaning they have both female and male reproductive organs and capabilities. I guess like I guess that's a common among slugs and snails, too. I didn't know that there's so many of those kinds yeah. of creatures that are like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting, yeah. Um so they re- they reproduce by a way of hypodermic insemination, also known as crude copulation. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> this is most widely studied in marine flatworms. So when two marine flatworms are going to mate, they move towards each other like the beginning of a sexy duel. Mm-hmm. They become aroused and rear up, averting their penises and stylets. So stylets are kind of think about like what a mosquito has when it uses to suck blood out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like kind of big about like a hypodermic needle sure. almost. So they wrap around one another and begin rolling around together, armed with their penis daggers. <laughs> they then try to yeah. stab one another with their penis daggers while also trying to avoid being stabbed. Mm. This is often called penis fencing and can last anywhere from a few minutes to over 30 minutes. Fucking slugs have one too and they're called love darts. <laughs> That's cute. It's like what? That sounds like what uh like some like really Christian parents would tell their kid when presented a question about a penis. Yep. Yeah. It's a love yeah. dart. 
my child. <laughs> so injuries do occur as a result of penis fencing, but flatworms can heal and regenerate fairly quickly, usually in 24 hours. Hmm. When one prevails and is able to stab the other with its penis, it remains embedded in the other for a few minutes as it injects the sperm using the stylet, thereby impregnating the other. Okay. So why reproduce this way? Well, flatworms can actually fertilize their own eggs, but laying eggs costs the body more energy. So injecting sperm is less of a drain than laying the eggs. They do pass on genes from one to another, which can indicate that there is an effort to become the dominant male in the struggle, which the victor does become. In this way, they do not have to expend the energy to heal their wounds and shoulder all of the responsibility of developing eggs. Mm. The flatworms' battle for supremacy in mating makes their reproductive ritual one of the most brutal in the animal kingdom. I'd say Fucking so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and like worms today, I just watched one about an earthworm. So they do the a similar thing where they like exchange sperm or eggs or something. But then it mm -hmm. just like kind of, the, the, you know that part that looks like a Band-Aid on, on a worm? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the kind of cylindrical part? Yeah. So that kind of like gets a mucusy hardness and then just slides off like a goddamn scab and that's their egg sack really it is gross. the strangest grossest thing ever <laughs> just like chris was saying and they stab each other in a way too nice i i, I don't know if this is true about worms i i think i remember i think m might have told me this but if anybody corrects me let me know but i believe if you cut a worm in half it'll heal and, and become two worms I've heard that since I was little. Yeah, because it's born with like something like five hearts or something like that. Yeah, that's I, I just think that's that's pretty that's wild. Crazy. That is wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was like uh, there was a bunch of other things I would would also wanted to pick. Like there's a wasp that like it goes after these caterpillars and injects its egg into the caterpillar. Oh, God. Yeah. So once the eggs hatch, the they break out of this live caterpillar and they just start feeding on it like as it's living. Oh God. So that's intense. Or cordyceps. I was thinking cordyceps. Oh, cordyceps and, are I cool. I mean, yeah. Last of Us has been awesome. With that I haven't watched it. I want to start it. It was so good. Yeah, I, 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 I hate shows and I loved it. I played the game um, and I loved it. So I'll, I'll, that's what Corey was telling me too. Yeah. The game is so well known it's for incredible. the story. Yeah. It's really good. That's super cool. Yeah. You know what else is really good is a hyenas. That shit's oh, yeah. brutal too. Yeah, I considered them. It's a, I had considered the shrew, not for no. any kind of brutal behavior it does, but I learned that when it hibernates, its body consumes about a fourth of its brain. Wow. To conserve on energy, so um, you know, like like a bear, like a bear just hibernates, you know, yeah. and and they just stock up on food. The fat reserves. And it's usually like. Yeah, and usually it's just them, you know, maybe sometimes slowing their heart rate, like some animals do that. Um, sometimes it's like slowing circulation. But yeah, shrews will shrink their brain by having their body consume a portion of their brain, really just kind of like shrinking it, and then it'll regrow it uh, kind of later gonna on. I was going to say, do the older they get, do the stupider they get or something? Like, <laughs> wow, that's No, it's so just fucking crazy. crazy. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I could They're use so some cute. of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> grow some of that back, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah, a lot of pretty brutal stuff in the animal kingdom. I mean, we haven't even really scratched no. the surface of how many oh, yeah. brutal things are out there. 
rats eat each other. They eat their babies. How many things eat their babies? Like <laughs> a lot of baby eating. Cockroaches. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I tell you, when I had to, you know, do bearded dragon and and snake and stuff and all the things I had to keep in my house to feed them, like that shit was gross. <laughs> yeah. Especially like crickets and cockroaches eating each other and stuff. And like, oh yeah. Yeah, man, there's just so many crazy things. And I guess going back to what we were talking about, you know, how that nature's unfair or it's cruel. The animal kingdom is just full of all these instances that we consider cruel or brutal behavior. And, you know, as I said before, it's how we designate them with our human, you know, sensibilities. Like it's hum- it's yeah, exactly, our sensibilities. And you know, even though we're a part of the natural order, we like to separate ourselves from nature and we don't really expect lower beings other than ourselves to be capable of understanding evil and good or right and wrong and mercy and forgiveness, which is debatable. I mean, there's I think there's a lot of animals out there who show higher intelligence mm-hmm. than we like to give them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's often a necessary product of evolutionary biology, yeah. you know, what these animals evolved to do. And, you know, John Burroughs writes of nature's cruelty as, quote, an action of her mechanical and chemical forces and that nature is impartial. She has the good of all creatures at heart, unquote. So nature keeps the status quo in its own way. It's hard to separate yourself from brutal behaviors such as eating your own young or necrophilia and things like that. But, you know, they have their own order of of things that they do and reasoning like you said, is survival mechanisms a lot of the time. And it's hard for us to see how those would be correlated. But, I mean, there there has to be some sort of biological reasoning for it, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they become the most brutal animals of all. That's right. Human beings. <laughs> oh, I just learned today, too, that um, the praying mantis, you know how she usually eats her partner? Yep. Um. She'll bite the the head off, mm-hmm. like in the middle of them copulating, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then keep the penis inserted for I don't know. I think it was like got to be hours or as long as the body is still there, and it'll keep like putting sperm in her kind of thing while it's Fun. dead, and it moves around and shit. Ew. <laughs> She's yeah. got her own little little got a, like little sex toy there. I like it. Adam nice. and Eve. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Adamandeve.com. <laughs> I did I I did want to read some of this like David Attenborough but you know it's it's tough. Oh yeah, the the goes to the tallest tree and then the miracle book. I can't do it. He's got that really specific thing. <laughs> this is often called penis fencing and can last anywhere from a few minutes to over 30 minutes. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Heather, Heather, what's yours? What's your sound like? I, I can't follow that. Fuck. <laughs> Man. He's always, he's kind of like Hitchcock where it kind of sounds like there's like a lot of saliva. Yeah, he does sound like he has a slight speech <laughs> Well, he's, he's getting older. Yeah, so he's, he's got very a lot old. of saliva, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know him and the Jurassic Park guy were. were yeah, they're brothers. Yeah, they're brothers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I know. R.I.P. <laughs> Spare no expense. Well, I guess we should do socials. <laughs> Spare no expense. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. you can you can follow us on 
Facebook at Under the Pendulum Podcast. Instagram at Under Pendulum Podcast. Twitter. Okay, I can't do it anymore. Pendulum underscore pod. Thank you. TikTok at Under the Pendulum. And you can find all our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, or almost anywhere else you listen to your pods. You can find me, Heather, on Facebook, Heather Thomas, Instagram, h.n.thomas, Twitter at Heather W. Thomas, and you can hear my narrations on Creepy, Tales to Terrify, The Wicked Library, Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and others. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. And you can find me, Caitlin Webhair, uh, on Instagram as Frothy Star Dog. Webhair, I like it. Oh, nice. And thank you. you. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at Christopher Weber thirteen V, and on Facebook by searching for Christopher Weber. Mm. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will have more brutal tales for you coming up. We're gonna we're gonna get back to our regular schedule here. Yep. So regular schedule program. When animals get pissed. <laughs> <laughs> World's deadliest animals. High speed police chase. <laughs> Four. Aww. And the sea otter necrophiliacs. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>